first I want to read you something that was in my devotions, and it kind of stuck with me. If we say we love God, but we allow our circumstances to dictate our responses, then we might have more faith in our circumstances than in our God. Isn't that powerful? And as we all face circumstances, and about the time you get one fix, something else happens. So we all have circumstances. And we have to learn. I thought it, I laughed out. I chuckled. I didn't laugh out loud, but I chuckled. When uh, Bailey was up here, when she was talking about fighting the battles herself, pay attention to what God dropped into my spirit. Pay attention because God has a message for us today. And remember that when you start looking at your circumstances, do you have more faith in your circumstances or do you have more faith in God that he's going to work those circumstances out? And I know that's a tough pill to swallow. Some days I swallow it better than others, but it's true. But we're going to talk about the word is alive and active. It is alive and active. It's not some dead, dry words written on paper. It is alive and it is active. But the only way it can be active is if you use your mouth and your voice to put it into action. It is your most powerful weapon. You can go to psychologists and talk to them. Your words are powerful. Your words can set a mood or break a mood. Your words can lift up or they can tear down. And if your words can do that, how much more powerful is God's word? And that's the only way that the word is active and alive is if you open your mouth and you put it into practice. You get it out there. And the words are powerful. No one knows this better than Satan. No one knows it better than Satan. What did he use to deceive Eve? Did God say? He used words to deceive Eve. And you know what's really hilarious? Well, funny, humorous. We talk about that, and we say, how could Eve done that? And we turn around and do the same thing. We turn around and do the same thing. I mean, this is a wake-up call. This is a wake-up call for me. It's a wake-up call. If you go back to Genesis, like Pastor Roy says, go back to Genesis. I didn't go and count all the times, but I Googled it. And we know if Google says it, it's true, correct? All right. But I did Google it. And it said that God said 25 times in Genesis. Now, is, is the word an example for us? So what's that say we should say? The word of God. And if you follow Jesus' ministry, when he was here on earth, he used his mouth and words to to accomplish miracles. He knew the law. He knew the Old Testament. He used God's words to perform miracles. But I want to remind you, he got up every morning 
and went and spent time with God, his father. He got up every morning and got his instructions for the day. He didn't go out, you know, as they say, half-cocked. He didn't go out shooting his mouth off with nothing that he didn't know anything about. He had been with the father. He knew. He knew what he was talking about. And in John 5, 8, Jesus said to him, again, he used his words, rise, take up your bed, and walk. He didn't lay his hands on him and say, in the name of Jesus, be, well, he hadn't went to the cross yet either, but he didn't lay his hands on him and pray for him. He used his words to say, rise. He had power in those words. In John 8, 11, she said, this is about the lady caught in the act of adultery, no one, Lord, and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He not only uh, forgave her, he gave her a solution for her sin. He said, go and sin no more. Because the man you're living with, you know, I think you've been with five and this is not your husband. Even when Peter and John used their voice in Acts 3, 6, it's the New Living Translation. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Now, if you don't have any word in you, it's kind of hard to give it out. So your responsibility is to get that word in you. And then your responsibility is to use that word. When, uh, With that being said, in Acts 4.13, the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of Peter and John, especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who had never had religious training, then they began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply. They began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. Standing there with them, they were healed. All those people were healed. Now, you see, they took into account, they knew that he had, they had been with Jesus because they could see that on him. When you have been with Jesus and you've been in the word, people will know it. People will see it. And you don't have to uh, force yourself. They will come to you. But if we don't spend time with Jesus and we don't spend time in the word, we're not going to have it in us to give. And I believe, I'm going to say this prophetically, I don't do this too often, but I'm going to say this prophetically. We are living in a kairos kairos time. And that word is a time when conditions are right for the accomplishment of a crucial action. The opportune and decisive moment. We are living in critical times. We are living at a time that we need to put our money where our mouth is. We need to step up to the plate. We need to do what God has called us to do because it is getting chaotic. But God takes care of us. Don't, as Bailey said, don't put your faith and trust in yourself. Put your faith and trust in God because he will take care of you. I'm going to explain to you about my spiritual pantry. And if you know me very well, I talk about this quite often. My, I have a spiritual pantry, and, um, you know, when you go to the grocery store, you buy the groceries, right? But you, when you go home, you don't eat them all up at the same time, do you? You put them in the pantry. 
And then when you need them, you go get those groceries out and use them. Just like the word of God. When you hear something, if you hear something this morning that you might not be able to quite swallow, write it down. Write it down. Keep it in mind because there'll come a time when you'll need that or God wouldn't have brought it to your attention to begin with. So put it in your spiritual pantry. Keep that pantry packed full because it won't spoil. It won't go bad. It won't rot. The animals won't get in it and eat it. The spiritual pantry is a true pantry that we all need. So when you hear a message, use some form. I like the old way of writing things down. Some form. Use your phone. Use your, write it down. Use something to remember what you have heard. I would not recommend in using your memory because we know how that goes. We, uh, we don't uh, try and remember the whole sermon. But you know, part of the enemy's strategy is to steal the word of God from you. In Matthew 13, 19 in New Living, this is talking about the farmer. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who heard the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Has anybody ever been there? I have. I'll, I'll explain it a little bit. Then the devil, one, the evil one, comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. So if you don't have a way of remembering that, Satan's going to come and steal it. I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you, you may not even get to the parking lot. He will steal that word from you because he does not want that word to take root and grow in you. Because that is where you grow. That's where people get delivered. That's where you do the ministry. That's where the whole thing works. And so Satan doesn't want that. He does not want that. Pastor Rowe has preached uh, two really powerful messages in the last couple, two weeks for Easter. Well, I guess it was just one week. He, um, I'm not going to try and preach the message again, so don't worry about that. But I am going to hit on a couple of points that he made because they stuck with me. And I wrote them down. You know, it's like uh, I have a friend that has a smartphone and they had an update, and she pushed something, locked the whole phone up. So now, all of her notes, all of her contacts, everything is out in the cloud, out in somewhere. I don't know. She can't get them. So I would warn you about using technology because it can be a pain. Never mind. Just a little wording there. So, see, my kids make fun of me because I have a phone, and I have some numbers in there. I also have my little black book that I write it down. And then when that phone doesn't work, I go get that little black book and there it is. And I'm all set. You need to take that spiritually because Satan will steal the word from you. I'm telling you, he will steal the word from you. Sometimes I joke around and say things I don't really mean, but I'm really serious with this. Satan will steal the word from you. But the two things that were powerful uh, is... uh, The book of John's gold was to help people believe Jesus is alive. That was one of the things he pointed out. But one of the points of his message that stuck with me, Jesus is alive. I saw a sign somewhere said, um, come back to church this Sunday because Jesus is still alive. But you see, last Sunday we were ripping at the seams. I mean, there was everywhere. Nothing. But come back, he's alive, he's alive. But you know what it's going to take each and every one of us living out there like he's alive. 
not just with words, not just, we're going to have to live like he's alive. The next thing he said that really stuck with me is the belief system. Now, he has been talking about this for quite a while, and I, I couldn't grasp it. And I know you think I'm smarter than that, but I couldn't grasp it. And I finally, it finally got me because when I heard that, I, stuck, I started meditating on it. And God started opening it up. And it is true, the belief system. If whatever you're doing is sin, but you don't think it's sin, you're going to keep doing it because your belief system doesn't believe it's a sin. And so you're going to keep doing it. So you have to get your belief system lined up with the Word of God. If it's not lined up with the Word of God, I'm sorry, it doesn't amount to nothing. Uh, And when Pastor Rowe or Minister Blaine or Abigail or whoever's up here speaking and uh, delivers what God has laid on their heart, the responsibility of them is done. My responsibility is going to be done today. You are responsible for the word that you hear. You are responsible to apply that word to your life, and you will be held accountable. Sorry. I know sometimes that that gets tough, but it's not. It is the best thing in your life because when you allow that word to get in you and you allow it to put it into practice, you're going to be victorious. You're going to have a better life. You're going to have a happier life. You're going to, things are, it's not that you're not going to have problems because you will, because Satan's going to come to you and say, did he say? And if you don't know what he said, you can say, I don't know, did he say that? And that's where he gets you hooked. All that was just an introduction, wasn't that fun? (laughs) And you know, I have notes telling my notes what to do, so there you go. Okay, I want to focus on Hebrews 4.12. And I know that, you know, we got the scriptures up there, and it's a great, great tool to use. But I want to tell you one thing right now. You need to get your Bible, and you need to look it up yourself. Now, I've got mine typed out, but I did look it up, but I got it typed out. But you need the word. You, need, you can't always rely on the technology. You have to get into the word. Okay, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. The word alive Having life, living, existing, not dead. It means that there's breath in here. In a state of action, in force or operation, active. I thought about Teresa. To keep hope alive. To keep hope alive. That's what that that first part of that scripture means. To keep hope alive. It's full of energy and spirit. It's lively. It's not a dead book. Having the quality of life. Have you ever known someone that you almost had to go over and check and see if they were breathing to see if they were living? Have you? Okay. That's not true for the word of God. You do not have to check and see if it's breathing, if it's living. It is. But you have to get it into, you have to put it into action. You are the motor. You are, you know, if you work on cars or anything, you're the motor. You're the transmission. You're the gas. You're the thing that keeps that thing going. And if it's not going, guess who's responsible? We are. 
The word active means engaged in action. When it says that it is active, it's living, it's active. Active means engaged in action, characteristic by energetic work, participation, participation, being in a state of existence, progress, or motion, involving physical effort and action, having the power of quick motion, nimble. See, when you read the word of God and you have those words, You just can't say, oh, yeah, I know what it is. You need to look up the definition. You need to know what that word says. And when it talks about involving physical effort and action, involving physical, it's speaking to you. When it talks about, it is speaking to you that you have to put physical effort and action. Okay? It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, pay attention to this because it is sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person, and of both joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and judging the very thoughts and intentions of our heart. The Holy Spirit wants to place a razor-sharp sword in your hands, which is the Word of God. I'm going to say that one again because, boy, that is a deep one. The Holy Spirit wants to place a razor-sharp sword in your hands, which is the Word of God. Ephesians 4.17 in New Living Translation says, Put on the salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In the Message Bible, you know how the Message Bible links about 14 scriptures together? Okay, in the Message Bible, somewhere in 6.13-18, through 18, It says, I think it's around verse 17, it says, God's word is an indispensable weapon. Now, what's that mean? I mean, you might have a lot of things that you think are indispensable. You might think your phone's indispensable. Phones get on my nerves, but you might think phones are indispensable. You might think your house, your car, you might like think a lot of things are indispensable. But I'm telling you, the word of God is what is indispensable. Those other things are just things. And if you lose them, you'll get another one. But God's word is indispensable. It is a valuable, needed tool that you have to get. It's a weapon that can rip the devil's strategies against you to shreds. It's the, it's the thing that will rip him apart. It's the thing that will tuck his tail and run when he knows that he can't get you. The word sword in this scripture, I like, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, but you don't know either, so there we go. <laughs> it's a Greek word. So they, okay, I will give you this. Now, if anybody knows I'm pronouncing it wrong, raise your hand and I'll give you a chance to pronounce it. You don't know. Anyway. It's a, in the word sword in this scripture, 
It is Makahira. Now, if you don't like the way I pronounce it, you go home and look it up in the Strong's and get the thing. But that's what we're going to call it today. When people, you know, in Old Testament times, even in New Testament times, words were important. We, sometimes somebody can start using a word, make it up, and then if enough people use that made-up word, they put it in the dictionary. You know what I'm saying? And sometimes they don't even make sense. But that's what they did. But in Bible times, they didn't do that. Bible times, words really meant something. This makahira is a very important word. And I, I want you to remember that because it's a sword of the spirit. And when people heard this word, this sword, it put fear in them. When the devil hears the word of God, it puts fear in him. But if you don't have the word of God in you, it's not going to put any fear in him. It wasn't just a sword, but a weapon of murder that caused the victim horrid pain as he lay bleeding to death. Now, it's interesting that, that when they wrote the Bible, and you do know, I think it's uh, 2 Timothy 3.17, where the word of God is inspired. Every word in the, in the Bible is inspired by God. I think that's 3.17. Okay, whenever this word sword was put in there, I mean, God knew what he was talking about. He's a smart man. I don't know if you know that or not, but he is very intelligent. And he has got the answer to everything we have a problem. And when he put that word in there, he could. Eat. there were many different swords, many different swords in the Old Testament when they had the fight. But he chose that word for a specific reason. There, uh, but the weapon referred to in the Greek, the makahia, whatever, it was an exceptionally brutal, it was exceptional, brutal weapon. I don't know if we got the picture or not. Uh, there it is. See the sword? See how short it is? And see them little jagger things on the side? That was so you were in close combat with the, with the enemy. It was razor sharp on both sides of the blade. It could shred the insides of a victim. It was very deadly and frightful weapon. The other swords were deadly. This one was terror to the imagination. Now, why did God use that for the sword of the spirit? Why didn't he pick one of them other ones? Because the word of God has the same effect on the devil, on your situation, on the enemy, if you use it. But if you don't use it, If you don't have it in you, you can't use it. And so that's why he chose that word. And when he wrote the Bible, he was particular on the words that he put in there. He was, he chose them very carefully because, you know, God just doesn't, you know, sometimes you just do something for whatever. God's not that way. God has a purpose and a reason. So by using that word, Paul is saying that God has given the church of Jesus Christ, a weapon that is frightful to the devil and his forces. That's what God is telling us. He's given you a weapon. He's given you a weapon that is frightful to Satan. He's given you a weapon that will will uh, beat Satan. He's given you a weapon to use, and it's the sword of the spirit. It's a horrific to the kingdom of darkness 
because it has the razor-sharp power to slash a demonic foe to shreds. Isn't that? I mean, when, and I'll get on to the, something else. Keep that thought. Remind me when I get back there. Ephesians 16 calls the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And there are two different Greek words for the Word. One is logos, which refers to Christ himself. You know, in the beginning, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was uh, made flesh. Let's see, in the beginning, God, God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. This is Logos' Word. This is Logos' Word right here. Every word in here is Logos. And you know, it's powerful, but you know when it lays right there, it has no power. It has no power as long as it's laying right here. The other word is the Greek word rhema. Now, most of you probably have heard of logos and rhema because way back when that was a you know, sweep through the country. It describes something that is spoken clearly and vividly in unmistakable terms and in undeniable language. In the New Testament, the word rhema carries the idea of a quickened word. It happens, the rhema word happens when you're reading a particular passage of scripture. Now with this being said, you probably all know this, maybe not all of you, most of you, but I think the Lord's saying we need a refresher course. I think the Lord's saying we need a reminder because we have let some of this stuff die. And we need a reminder of the power of the rhema word. It's a passage of scripture which, one, you have seen many times before. And you see it in a new light. And you see how it applies to your life personally. A rhema word might be something that you know. You might have known it for a long time. But when you get a rhema word, you see it in a whole new light. You see it in a whole new context. You see how God is going to use it. Or it can happen when someone is preaching or maybe just sharing the word with you. When Pastor Rowe was preaching last week, when he was talking about the belief system, that was a rainbow word to me because it was like the light bulb went on. And I said, oh, yeah, I see that now. Here is an example of a rainbow word. You're praying about a situation when suddenly a Bible verse rises and quickens in your heart. In that moment, you know that God has supernaturally made you aware of a verse you can stand on and claim for your situation. But now remember, it's not saying you're sitting there reading the Bible. It says you're praying. And it brings up the scripture into your spirit, which that gives you the idea that you had to read that scripture before, right? That gives you the idea that you had to commit that to memory, that it is in your spirit. And when that happens, that rain of word, he will quicken that verse and come up and give you the answer. When this happens, now listen to this. When this happens, it's as if the Holy Spirit has put a sword in your hand. 
It's a spiritual dagger that you can use against the enemy that's trying to tell you your kids aren't going to be saved. It's a spiritual dagger that's trying to tell you that person's never going to be delivered from that addiction. It's a personal dagger that, God, that the devil's trying to tell you you're never going to get over this. You're always going to be in this shape. You're never going to do that. It's a spiritual dagger that you can use that can insert into the heart of the enemy to bring about his defeat. That spiritual dagger he has put in there that you can use against him and you can twist it in that um, uh, in that sword they would be in close contact i thought about getting a sword and having ryan come up here and i'd do that but i thought i better not do that (laughs) but a close contact is a short sword and you're in close contact with your enemy ryan's not my enemy i'm just kidding uh you're in close contact with your enemy And when you stick that sword in him, you have to be close enough. Did you see how short that sword was? You have to be close enough to stick it in him and twist it. That is exactly what the word of God does. That is exactly what the word of God does. It'll stick it in there and the word of God will, it'll twist. And you will defeat the enemy because the word of God is powerful. And you know, we was talking about using the words in uh, Luke 4. In the New Living, and we all know about the temptation of Jesus. And we all say, well, you know, that was Jesus. He is our example. He is showing us what you need to do. And, you know, a lot of us say, yeah, yeah, I know that, I know that. And the first time it happens, we forget all about it and start whining and crying and, you know, boo-hooing and defeat because we forget. And... Uh, 4 4, it says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, you need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You need to be full of the Holy Spirit. If you don't have your spiritual language, you need to start seeking for that spiritual language because that, that's a terrific dagger, that's a sword. Returned from the Jordan River, he was led by the Spirit in the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days, and Jesus ate nothing. All that time and became very hungry. Then the devil said to him, If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus thought, No, the scripture says people do not live by bread alone. So when you're in a battle and Satan tries to get you to do whatever, you can say, if you have the word in you, No, the scripture says. And you know, even as... Wonderful as all of our phones and all of our technology are that has a gazillion different translations on them, you don't always have the opportunity to run and get that phone. You don't all, it might be my friends, like my friends, it don't work. But you don't always have that opportunity. So you need to get the word of God in you. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and authority over them, the devil said. Because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you just will worship me. Jesus replies, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And I will say sometimes if you're physically tired, you're a target for Satan. You have to take care of your physical body. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, If you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says he will order his angels to protect and guard you. You see how Satan 
use the word against him? Okay, you've got to be smart enough to know when he's using the word against you. And you have to get there. And, you know, it might seem, I don't mean to be harsh, but I'm a black and white person, either tis or it taint. And we need to get more positive. We need to get more direct. We need to get more into what we need to do that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. I'll tell you, I'm only like 29, but I have seen more things in my 29 years. I never thought I would see. I never thought I would see some of the things I'm seeing. And I know some, Ryan's not nearly that old, and I know he's probably in the same boat. I mean, we're seeing things that I never thought would ever happen. And lo and behold, it is here. So we need to step up because God's word is true. And we need to get it in us that we can stand against them. But, uh, and see, Satan used the word against him, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, the scripture also says, you must not test the Lord your God. See, you have to be aware of the scriptures. And, you know, when Eve did her little thing, she wasn't aware of what God said. And we think, how could you, we walk and talk with God in the cool of the evening, they did. How could you not know? How can we not know? How can we not know? We have to wake up. We can't fall asleep in these days. We have got to wake up. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left him until the next opportunity came. He's going to leave you when you defeat him until the next opportunity comes. So don't, don't rest on your laurels and go to sleep and take a nap because he's going to come back. He is going to come back. He is after you. And really, he's not after you as much as he's after the people that you can influence to take away from him. So anyway, if Jesus used scripture to defeat the devil, isn't that a good example for us that we should do? And Jesus knew. Jesus knew the scriptures. He knew the law. Because the words of Micaiah and the rhema. When you get a rhema word, that is the sword of the spirit that he has given you that you can jab the enemy and twist it and defeat the enemy and you will be victorious. Uh, This is um, Ephesians 6, 17. It conveys this message. This is what if you put all the scriptures together, this is what it could say. The Spirit will place a razor-sharp sword at your disposal any time the enemy gets too close. This sword's power will be available the very moment the Spirit quickens a specific word for a specific situation you are facing. I'm going to read that one again. Because you need to get this in your heart. You need to get this in your spirit. The Spirit will place a razor-sharp sword. Remember, that's the Word of God. At your disposal, any time the enemy gets too close. The sword's power will be available at the very moment the Spirit quickens a specific word for a specific situation you are facing. When you're facing a situation... And God brings that rhema word into your spirit. That's a sword dagger. That's a dagger sword or a sword dagger, whichever way you want to say it. Grab it and use it. 
and, and defeat Satan. Do not allow him to take advantage of you. The word of God is true. When you receive a, a rhema word from the Lord, the Holy Spirit drops a word or a scripture into your heart, causing it to come alive supernaturally and impact special powers and authority to you. When he drops that rhema word, he gives you the power. He gives it to you. What you do with it, it's your business. You're going to be held accountable. But when you don't use the scripture, don't come whining and crying that the devil did this and the devil did that because the scripture's there for you to use. That's kind of hard. I'm sorry. This quickened word is so powerful that it is like a sword has been placed in your hands. That is why Paul calls it the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. I mean, this has been hounded to you this time. I know I've repeated myself several times, but it was important. Uh, what is that saying? If you repeat something three times, if you want to remember, you repeat it three times. I've probably said it more than three, but it's important. It needs to be embedded in you. The next time you find yourself in close combat with the enemy, take the time to get quiet in your heart and listen. Take time to listen to God because I, I know you might be pretty strong, you might be pretty smart, but it takes the sword of the Spirit to defeat the devil. It takes the sword of the Spirit to defeat the devil. The Holy Spirit will reach up from within your spirit and quicken to you a scripture that has the exact power you need for the situation you find yourself in that moment. In other words, the Holy Spirit will give you a rhema, a specific for a specific time, a specific word for a specific time, and a specific purpose. That's one of his jobs. That's one of his responsibilities, that he will give you that word when you need it. With that being said, you have to spend time in the word. And with God, for scriptures to be in your spirit, to give him something to work with. And I've repeated that several times too. But I'm telling you, Satan keeps us busy. Satan will keep us busy. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but every person here has 24 hours a day. Everybody here has 24 hours a day. It's your choice on what you do with them. And I know sometimes that sounds harsh. But we need to get it going because the times are getting rough. You know, like, you know, all the problems we're having with Russia and Ukraine. We never know when it might be the United States. You never know. And with the way grocery stores are and the food prices are and the gas prices are and everything else. Now, with all that said, God is your provider. Don't ever forget that. God is your provider. But you need the word for him to be your provider. You need that rhema word in you. You need that guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because this is what he does. And we need that. If you haven't known the Lord as your personal savior today, I invite you to make that your first step. Make that your first step. I personally do not see how people live without God. I personally don't see how they make it from day to day without God. There have been a lot of times, I've said this before too, a lot of times I could have went to an island and never saw another human being as long as I lived. But I never wanted to lose my relationship with God. He 
He's my lifeline. He is my entire life. He is everything I have. He's the very breath I breathe. But you know what? With me feeling that way today, if I'm not aware of the tricks of the enemy, I could go down that same path tomorrow. I could, you know, walk away from him tomorrow if I am not aware of the tricks of the enemy because he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. So you have to be aware. I don't care what your relationship is today with God. It might be top-notch, and I think mine is, but I have to be aware that Satan's out there to get me. I have to be aware of that and have to be aware of the tricks that he pulls. If you're a, a, a Christian and maybe you've drifted away from him, maybe the word has kind of left you, we need, you need to re-dedicate uh, yourself today. You need to reach out to God. You need to make a quality decision today. And I don't care where you are and what level, you can always get a little closer. I don't care what you're doing or where you're going. You can always get a little closer to God. You can always allow him to use you more than he ever did before. But you have the choice. And, you know, the word of God is active and it's moving. It's powerful. And it's like, um, it's a, it can be like an addiction. Because the more you get, the more you want. The closer you get to God, the closer you want to get. The more peace of him you feel, the more peace you want. And the more that he becomes important to you, the things of the world just kind of fade away. But with that being said, you still have to be careful of the tricks of the enemy because when he sees that, he's going to be after you because he don't like that. The enemy doesn't like that. And so he's going to be after you to trick you. So you have to know the word of God, just like when he was trying to trick Jesus, when, he, when Jesus was in the garden and uh, when he was tempted in the wilderness. You have to be aware. He will try and trick you. Because if he tried to trick Jesus, I mean, you know, you're not quite up there where he was. You know what I'm saying? So you have to be aware. And I, I just realized that God is saying, I want to put that sword of the word in your hands. I want, it, I want that to be the weapon that you use because that is the best weapon there is. It will do what it is sent to do. It will do what it is sent to do. Uh, so as we, as I close out here, I just want you, you guys have been sitting long enough. If you like to stand and just kind of get your heart and your mind focused on God. If you do not know Jesus as your personal savior, we welcome you to, to accept him and we will have somebody pray with you. But if you would stand and just kind of forget about everything Just ask the Lord to enlighten you. Just ask the Lord to enlighten you on what the word of God means to you. Allow him to take what was said this morning and just give you a vision of what this means. Give you the opportunity because I will tell you this. I will almost guarantee you, you're going to have opportunity to use that word that God gave you. You're going to have that opportunity. Do not let Satan steal it from you because you're going to have the opportunity to use what you have heard this morning. And you are the one that's going to be responsible. You're going to be responsible for the word that you heard. And you are going to have the opportunity. But you see, this is what's going to happen. We are going to have these individuals out in the world that's going to be able to witness to people that they're going to be saved, that they're going to be set free, they're going to be delivered, they're going to be brought into the kingdom of God. And you're going to have the opportunity to do that. 
And what a great opportunity to be used of the Lord. What a great opportunity to be just in fellowship with him. I thank him every day for his peace and his comfort because it just, it just fills you. It fills my house. It fills wherever I go, his peace and his comfort. And I don't care how much fun you think they're having in the world. There is nothing, nothing can compare with the presence of God. I can guarantee you that. I will stake my life on it because God's presence is nothing compared to what's in the world. It is overwhelming sometimes just to sit in his presence and feel his presence. But I just want you to kind of rededicate yourself today. Rededicate to be allowed the sword of the spirit to be placed in your hand. Hear that rhema word. Allow that rhema word to be that sword that you can defeat the tricks of the enemy that you can defeat, that you can snap that person out of Satan's hands that he has got such a hold on. I don't care how tight Satan you think Satan has on somebody. God's power is able to break that curse. He's able to break that hold. He's able to set that person free. But see, it depends on us. It depends on us to be able to use that sword of the spirit in order to set these people free. Lord, I just thank you today for your word. Your word is rich. Lord, and it accomplishes that which you sent it forth to do. The sword of the spirit, God, is a weapon that you have brought to our attention. Lord, the sword of the spirit is what you have brought to our attention to use to defeat Satan. And he is running rampant and he might think he has it. But Lord, you are all powerful. You are all powerful, God, and your word defeats him. Lord, and your word will do what you said it will do. I pray, God, for each individual here that we have an awakening of you, that our spirit man is awakened to you and what you want to do to us. I pray, God, that just you fall over each individual here, Lord. Stir their hearts. Stir their spirits. Lord, draw them to you. Give them a hunger in our hearts, Lord, for you. Give a hunger in our hearts, Lord, for you, that we will allow you to use us. Because, God, that's how the glory of God is going to fill the earth. It's going to be through each individual. And your glory will go throughout all the earth. And I thank you for your word. I praise you for your word. And I pray, God, that we just take this word and put it into action, that we do not allow it to leave us. And I believe in God to see results because that's what your word does. I'm believing to see results. And we just thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Let's just take a minute and praise him. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, God. We give you glory and honor. We thank you, God. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, Lord. We just praise you, Lord. We praise you for all the things that you do for us. We praise you, God. We desire you, Lord. We desire you, Lord. We want you. We want more of you, God. We worship you. We thank you, God, for Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that he brought to us. We thank you, God, for all the the, uh, things that we could have through that, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you, God, that you were willing to give your only son. We thank you, God, that he was willing to come. And we thank you, God. We want to walk. We want to walk in that, Lord. We want to do your will. And we just praise you, God. We praise you, God. We magnify your name. 
We give you glory and honor, Lord. You are wonderful, God. You are the counselor, King of kings and Lord of lords, and we praise you. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. Thank you. Pastor Rowe talks about the American church and the Church of America. No offense to anyone, but we've become the laziest bunch of people ever was. Because we come to church on Sunday, we expect the pastor to do it all. And then we leave and we go, check, that's done. And we don't do anything else until the next Sunday. I'm telling you, prophetically, I'm telling you, you better get your act in gear because it's coming a time when you may not be able to do that. You need to get the word of God in you. You need to live the word of God every day. Not just when it's convenient. Even not just when you're facing a battle. You need to live it every day. And when it's like Bailey said, it's not you. You can't do it on your own. It's him. But you have to know that. You have to use the rhema word of God and the sword of the spirit. And we need to get that done. And we have become the laziest bunch that, you know, everywhere. Because when you talk about people in the third world countries, they're seeing miracles. They're having their needs met. And here we are sitting twiddling our thumbs because we have all of this. We better wake up. We better wake up, America. We better start doing what the Word of God says because you may not be able to meet like this. You may not be able to depend on Pastor Rowe. You may have to do it yourself. And we need to wake up. We need to wake up because God is saying the time is getting near. The time is getting near. And He wants, in the last days, you know, the book of Acts wasn't closed. The book of Acts still should be going on. And we need to have the book of Acts in our life today where they had things happen. They had people healed, but they had their needs met. They had their needs supplied. They had, they were protected from Satan. Well, not protected, but they were protected from the powers that be, the government. But God kept his hand on them, you know, and he moved. And that's what we need to do today. And we don't need to go home and say, boy, that was a good word. You need to go home and put it into practice. Because if you just go home and say it was a good word, you've missed it all. You might as well have stayed home in bed. Sorry. You might as well have just stayed home in bed. But we've fiddle-faddled around and pussy-footed around so long that there is no word going out. It's also sugar-coated. You almost have to get like this. Now, Pastor Rowe doesn't do that. But the, a lot of people, the word of God is so watered down. And we need to get it out. We need to get it out. And it needs to be apparent in your life. Now, some people might say, I don't know if I want that in my life or not. You do. Trust me, you do. Because it's coming a time. Okay, I'm done. I could go on and on and on. Because if the word of God is alive. It's active. It's powerful. It will do what it says it will do. But you have to open your mouth. You have to get it in you. You have to put it into practice. But it'll work. I'm a, I'm a living example. It will work. God will do what God said he will do.